Good morning. Peace be with you. I want to start the announcements by saying thank you to this church congregation and, and for your love of me and my family and um, for all who were in attendance to my mother-in-law's memorial service yesterday. You made a huge impact on my family. Many of them are not churched. And um, I'll share one little bit. Uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Jim, is a businessman, a very successful businessman. And he tends to look at everything as a transaction. And, and I was glad to kind of cause him to do this. He says, you've got a lot of nice people that work with you. I said, well, thank you. But you know those people are all volunteers. All of those people were here for you and for Tracy and for me. And he kind of looked and he goes, wow. Said, yeah, that's, that's church. And I really wish you would find one for you and your family too. So I want to thank you for that. It was a, a long day, <laughs> but that's my family. And for you, those who were there, I hope you understand. But it, I, I, I thank you for that. This morning, we have a guest with us, Beverly, Beverly Crane. Thank you, Beverly, for coming. And so we really appreciate and look forward to hearing you. That's beautiful. Thank you. Also, uh, I want to remind you that it is Mission Sunday, and your pastor remembered the jar, so it's out on the table in the narthex. We also uh, want to congratulate and give thanks to Bob Fry and Coach D. Jones for volunteering and stepping up to be on our board. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I think you can read the rest of them yourself because I'm probably going to have a really long sermon today. Just teasing. But let's get going. And our opening song, um, our opening hymn, excuse me, is Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee on page 551. We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, 
We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved your neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve our present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. He is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God, power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty to heal and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. This first reading uh, this morning is from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 761. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malchiah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbathai, Hodiah, Maaseah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. We will read Psalm 19, verses 1 through 14 responsively, which is printed in your bulletin. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 14. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1785. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, page 1785. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, Stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, 
There are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, of helpings, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 30, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1596. Glory to you, Lord. Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened onto him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled 
in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue, they were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I smiled a little bit as before that prayer, um, because yesterday in our men's group, the prayer is, it, you, you, you must have noticed it this morning in the, as we spoke this psalm, but Psalm 19, 14. And uh, truly the men's group is a band of brothers, and I am so grateful for them. Um, we raise each other up. We encourage each other. We pray for each other, and we make a little bit of fun of each other too. But it was fun to hear, hey, I've heard that before. So there you have it. This morning, I wanted to talk to you about promises. I'm going to add a little more in ho about hope. People make promises every day, don't they? Uh, sometimes we give something to another person as a sign of our promise. Sometimes we sign our name to seal our promise. And other times, we just, we just give our word to another person that, that we will do something. And I'm sure 
I know that uh, you've all seen a ring like this. Many of you men are wearing a wedding band. And we know and have explained to little children that this is when a man and a woman get married and they usually make promises together and um, to one another rather and they say something like, I promise to love you for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. And then they exchange their rings as a symbol of that promise. Now, here's another example of a promise. It's an ordinary letter. It has a return stamp here, and the address the, to the person is here, and up here is what? A stamp. Well, that's a promise. That the Postal Service promises to deliver this letter to the person that you've addressed it to. And we know sometimes they don't keep their promise, right? So the thing that they say, though, is that <coughs> much like the promise that we do in marriage, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a cloudy or sunny day, raining or snowing, right? Rain, snow, sleet, and wind. The U.S. Postal Service will deliver, right? Unless it doesn't. But that's a promise that the stamp represents. And we, we put faith in that. We might insure the package just in case, but, but that's the promise. Now, here's another example of a promise. Credit card, right? So we go out to dinner or something maybe not as fun, repair a car or something like that. We, we pull out the fantastic plastic, don't we? And... Uh, plunk that baby down, and we have to sign a receipt, don't we? It says, I promise to pay that. So we, we make lots of promises every day. People make promises every day. You do, I do. Unfortunately, though, some people don't always keep their promises. They do. It's in our nature. Sometimes promises get broken. And let me ask you, how does that feel? Have you ever had a, a promise broken to you? Sometimes promises are broken so regularly that the only point you can count on, the only thing you can count on from that person making that promise is that you can't count on that person. Promise-keeping can turn into promise-breaking. And, and really, honestly, you and me are not promise-keepers. We're promise-breakers. Every one of us. Regardless of your credit score, we're promise-breakers. And breaking promises, it hurts people. 
Because people are counting on you. That you would keep your promise. Perhaps, by earthly example, people can become weary of, of those that, that break their promises. And it should not be, but oftentimes, Christians break promises to non-Christians. And those people that don't believe yet, well, there goes another lying Christian. Those people look good on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, it should not be. And that can happen, and oh, Lord, forgive us. Whereupon people that have had experiences with <laughs> Christians in the flesh. Remember I said, yours truly, all of you, we're, we're not promise keepers, we're promise breakers. But that may cause people, I'm sure it has caused people, I've had people admit to me that it caused them to not trust God. Because if his kids don't keep their promise, why should I think he does? What promises do God, does God keep? Every one of them. You bet, all of them. Every one of them. God makes promises to us, and he has kept them all, and that is what we get to hear today in our gospel reading. Before we get into that, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 20. Paul writes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In our gospel today, Jesus went to his hometown. You would think everybody would be glad to see him. And they were. At first. He was in the city of Nazareth on a Sabbath day, so he did what he always did in, on the Sabbath, and that was go to the synagogue, right? And in that synagogue, we hear that he stood up and he began to read the words of the prophet Isaiah from the Scripture. And he read where it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. When he finished reading, he sat down and all the eyes were on him. Have you ever had that happen to you? Everybody's eyes were on you. And they began to speak to him. Or he spoke to them. He says, the scripture that you have just read or just heard read was, has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus came to earth to fulfill the promise of God, and all of God's promises are fulfilled in him, and he just claimed that right in front of those people. And first we hear 
They thought that was pretty amazing. Isn't that Joseph's son? Wow. Local boy is made good. But then Jesus being the one of truth said, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what you have heard that, or what we have heard that you did in, in Capernaum. He says, he, the people are going to want him to start healing them. Making things right for them. By the way, you're, you're from here. Do it. And he says further, he says, there's no prophet accepted in this hometown. I assure you that there were many widows. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. Okay, let's talk about this. You ever try to give your child advice? And they take it? You ever try to coach a child, your own child, in baseball? Do they take it? Well, let me tell you, my personal experience, I'm just the dumbest guy that ever was because they don't listen to me on those kind of things. But, boy, you put them in front of a coach, and they hang on his every word. So I have tested and verified that no prophet has any honor in his house, at least not the Whitney household. And that can happen in a lot of things. Well, I'll tell my wife, I think that she goes, Maybe we better get a professional, right? Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what Jesus is saying is that no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you here that there were many widows in Israel during Elijah's time, and we know the story of Elijah and the widow. She was going to make her last meal, and he asked her for a, something to eat, and she says, I'm I don't have anything, really. We're going to go make one little cake, a little bit of oil that I have left, and uh, then my son and I are going to die. And he says to her, go and take your pots. And the pots never ran out of oil, and the flour never went away. And this woman was um, satiated. She was fed throughout the rest of the time until the uh, famine was over. God kept his promise. But what Jesus was pointing out was not so much the glory of God and the miracle that was happened through Elijah. He was pointing out that the woman was not a Jew. He was pointing out that that, that miracle was not for the chosen people, you sitting here. That miracle was to show God's glory through a Gentile. And further, he went on to tell about the lepers. You know, it, it, to paraphrase in, in my own vernacular, there are a lot of people that were, had leprosy that were Jews. A lot of them. And the one that was picked to be healed was Elisha, the prophet. And he cleansed Naaman, a man of war, and a Gentile. Syrian. Well, that didn't go over real well in his hometown. And where they were once marveling at the words that this 
gracious young man that had done good and performed all of these miracles throughout the land, and they got furious. And they chased him out, and they wanted to to throw him over a cliff. God's chosen people believed his promises when it fit them, when it suited them. And they came to expect that just by virtue of who they were, how they were born into it, that the blessings would just keep coming on them, whether or not they kept their promises to God or not. Remember from earlier lessons that time and time again, They would say, we promise there is no other God. Moses was gone for a little while, right? And what happened? Your brother's not coming back. We need something to worship. He says, all right, Aaron. He says, all right, give me all your gold. And they made a calf, and they all worshiped it. And Moses came back, and oh, boy. They broke their promise to God. Time and time and time, the people broke their promises, and yet God didn't say, like you and I may, boy, you're just a big liar. The only time that I know that you're lying is when your lips are moving. He pursued his people. He loved his people, unfaithful people. He ran after them and said, I love you. I have a better way. And finally, he showed how much he loved the world by giving his only son. Whosoever, we talked about that, yes, sir. Whosoever should believe. You're whosoever's. And there's a bunch of whosoever's out there that that God would want to have bring into our lives, into our influence, and to hear the good word. Tell them of his promises that are true. Not only backed up in Scripture, but maybe in our own lives where we can relate to this person. Have you had promises broken to you? Yeah, me too. If I'm being honest with you, yeah, I'm a Christian, but there's been some promises I didn't keep. And I should have, but I didn't. But my, I'm forgiven, and I went and I sought to, to, to fix it. But you know what? God... Love me anyways. Loves me anyways. And so he gave me faith and he gave me baptism and he wiped away all of the broken promises that I ever made through the promise that he came through with with his son Jesus on that cross crucified for you and for me. And not only that, he didn't say the bill was paid, but he said this. He said, well, Paul tells us, we die to death like Jesus. And surely we will be reborn, resurrected in a resurrection like Jesus. That's a promise that you can cling to, regardless of whether you deserve it or not. And by the way, you don't, and neither do I. God keeps his promises. Now, I'm not saying, well, you know what? If you don't keep your promise, don't worry. 
God will forgive you. That's no way to live. That's kind of like Paul saying, shall we sin more that grace may abound more? Certainly not. That's not the way. But if we fall, if we slip up, God who is faithful and just is quick to forgive our sins. Why? Because he loves you. Because you're his beloved children. Because you're clothed in his son's righteousness. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Will you please stand? Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, our almighty God and eternal Father, we gather today to praise your holy name, to thank you for forgiving our continual sins against you, for forgetting about you, and for disrespecting you. We are eternally grateful that your Holy Spirit has given us faith in your Son and his sacrifice for us and as a consequence have assured us of eternal life with you. We pray that your Holy Spirit would keep us steadfast in this true faith, even as we are persecuted vigorously by those surrounding us. Please give us the strength to forgive their trespasses as you have forgiven us. We're troubled especially recently by the many family, friends, associates, and companions who have passed from our company on earth to your kingdom in heaven. All of these people have been close to us or a constant influence in our lives, helping to carry our burdens, share our laughter, share our love, teach us life's lessons, and sometimes share our frustrations in life. Their passing leaves a void in our lives that hurts deeply. And you know this hurt since your son, our Lord, felt this hurt himself when his dear friend Lazarus passed away. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill the holes in our hearts with your love and comfort us in the true knowledge that even when our bodies quit working, our souls live on with you in the company of Jesus and those who know him. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, for all that you have created and sustained throughout the universe. We thank and praise you for creating us in your likeness and trusting us to be the caretakers of your creation on earth. Thank you for the snow on our mountains and the snowpack that will provide us life-saving water <clears throat> in the summer months ahead. <clears throat> we have prayed long for this and you have provided what we need as always. We pray that you provide us the wisdom and strength of character to do our best to serve your will. When we stop long enough to consider the natural laws of creation, physical laws that you created to order the heavenly bodies of the universe, 
We often boast at our discovery of these laws rather than marvel at your hand in creating them. Thank you for giving us such a beautiful and marvelous place to live, slinging us through the galaxy at more than 67,000 miles an hour without even messing up our hair. How great you are indeed. Thank you, Holy Father, for all the children around us. They're truly a gift that keeps our minds young and our spirits high. We pray that it's your plan to bring more young people into our congregation to give us hope for our future here. Thank you for our sister congregation worshiping you here with us. We pray for wisdom, moral strength, and integrity for our leaders of nations throughout the world. We pray that you strengthen those who hear, understand, and follow your plan for our lives, and that you shield us from those who serve only themselves or evil. We pray for wisdom and humility for those we have elected to lead our nation at all levels and branches of our government. They clearly lack both qualities, and as a result, our citizens suffer. We pray that you would humble these elected officials and turn them into the servants they are supposed to be. Please save our nation from arrogant foolishness. Please don't abandon us to our folly. We pray for peaceful hearts and contentment, Lord. As you know, we face many concerns in our daily lives. Many of them seem overwhelming. Please help us to keep our very souls focused on you, the one we can trust, the one in control, the architect of all things. Help us hold on to and cherish what is truly important and let go of all the other stuff. We pray for your church, our Christian leaders, your missionaries, and our congregation. We pray that our actions always glorify your name. We pray for our nation's military members who sacrifice much, perhaps even their lives, to serve our national good and to protect the oppressed throughout the world. We pray for their strength and perseverance. Help us never take these servants for granted. Thank you most especially, Father, for the gift of your Son, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace.
Will you please stand? Pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Oh, it is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love, that our darkness should give away to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and sing their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that, J that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus took it all, all to him I owe. My sin has left a crimson stain, but his, his sacrifice, his love, his blood made me white as snow. And isn't that what we're celebrating right now as we come to the Lord's table? This sacrament is for baptized believers who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I heard you all do it. So you may be seated. Come. The table is prepared.
Will you please stand? I am, at the end of the service, I am going to be called back to the piano because I've been promised a private playing by Liz's little um, nephew. And so I hope you will understand, but I'll say hello to you out on the patio, okay? All right. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Standing on the promises of God. Thank you.